Inside Chicago government. Any use of power disturbs it. ShyGov.com. Welcome to another in a series of interviews with Ben Jarofsky. I'm Dave Gloetz. Ben writes on government and politics for the Chicago Reader, and he's here with me today. Welcome to the broadcast. Thank you, David. Today we're talking about your article that appeared in the Reader on January 17th, 2013. In the print edition, it's titled The Last of the Independence. I remember it well now, yes. An unforgettable mm-hmm. subject. As the song says. Online, it's titled With Jesse Jackson Jr., Out of the Way, Who's Left to Take on the Man? This article sort of a lament about the loss of the political figure that is Jesse Jackson Jr. and what he might have represented for Chicagoland and for representation in government. Heavy emphasis on the word might what he might have represented. As many critics have pointed out. Yes. In your article, you write that Mayor Richard Daley bullied, I'll call him Triple J. (laughs) Triple J, okay. Out of the 2007 race for mayor, probably you said by Daley telling Jackson that the campaign could get, quote, real dirty, unquote. Yeah. Dirty how? What skeletons did Jackson have in his closet at this point, do you think? I don't know. You know, later on, I forget how many years after the 2007 campaign, the photo of Jesse Jackson, a blonde woman, appeared on the front page of the Chicago Sun-Times, and that really dealt a blow to Jesse Jackson. But that was much later. Yeah, so I don't know what they had. You know, in, in politics, you never know what they have and when they're going to play the card. And So I have no idea. It could have been something as simple as we'll just spend all the money we have blasting you with negative campaign ads. We'll go after your father. We'll go, you know, your brother's beer contracts. I mean, I have no idea. I do know from uh, having one occasion to have uh, talked to Jesse Jackson Jr. that he anticipated a very negative campaign. He also anticipated being outspent tremendously. Now we're talking about something, things that happened in 2007 or 2006, but uh, if you recall, if you go back in the time machine, Daly was vulnerable in that year for all the scandal. There were three ongoing major corruption cases against him that were a huge embarrassment. But even as vulnerable as he was, the campaign polls suggested that Daly could only lose. Now, this gets complicated, Chicago, and so follow me on this. Uh, if he is denied 50% of the vote the first go around, the, the way we do things in Chicago is that there's an election, and if nobody wins more than 50% of the vote, there's a runoff between the two top vote-getters. And this is for mayor and alderman. Yes, that is correct. So if there were two titans in the race running against Daly, presumably together they could keep the mayor from getting that 50% threshold. And if you also recall, Congressman Luis Gutierrez was thinking about running. So if you had Gutierrez and Jackson pounding away at Daly. Perhaps Daly would get under 50%, and then the candidate, the alternative candidate who had the most votes, would then get to run against him. Well, obviously, neither Jackson nor Gutierrez wanted to spend all that money and energy just to be the spoiler, so to speak. So that was a main reason why he didn't run. I think politically, it was a mistake. Obviously, it's easy for me to say I wouldn't be the guy who has to run, but I think that for his political career, it's been all downhill, obviously, since then. One of the points I made in the column regarding our attitude toward politics uh, and politicians is that if you say you're going to run and then you don't run, it's often worse than if you run and lose, particularly in a town like Chicago. But Dave, to me, the more important point is that Chicagoans, I'm sort of getting at the mentality of the Chicago voter, 
we view our mayors as kings, as these great men, great figures. And so we need a great figure to beat them as opposed to just voting for somebody else, a radical concept, <laughs> only in Chicago, you know. So now we've replaced one great figure, Richard M. Daly, with Rahm Emanuel. And so the typical Chicago voter will go, well, who can I vote for? I don't, there's nobody to vote for. <laughs> so they'll just vote for Rahm and then moan about it to me in phone calls. During the campaign for mayor, I heard that repeatedly, that yeah. uh, there is no one else with, uh, you'll pick the word, stature, reliability, competence, you know, these other people are not proven. You know. Or he can't win. That's my absolute favorite. Well, oh, he can't win. Not electable. Yeah, he can't win. So you voted for the guy you don't like because you thought that voting for the other guy would just be voting for a losing candidate? What do you care? I'm baffled more and more. I mean, I, I, you know, we make a joke out of my loyalty and allegiance to the Democratic Party, which you as a greenie probably view as a voice to vote. But at least I acknowledge my own, you know, uh, bizarre contradiction. The mentality of the Chicago voter is just a sort of a comically fascinating, ongoing thing. It's good article fodder. Yes, thank you. They give me something to write about the Chicago voter. Job security. He can't win. I'm not going to vote for him. <laughs> Of course, he won't win if you don't vote for him. Let's fast forward to sort of the end of, well, perhaps not the end, but the most recent history in, in Triple J's career. Before Triple J declared himself. <laughs> I'm Sorry, not, I'm trying not to laugh. <laughs> you can laugh. Triple J. <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the first to call J him that. third. Before he declared himself on medical leave, he simply didn't go to work. Yeah, see, true. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Then after months of medical leave, Jackson, who is too ill to work, yeah. was not too ill to stand for re-election for the position that he was not going to work for. Yes. So some Illinoisans were and are incensed that a guy with an arguably important job uh -huh. suffered no consequences for this. What consequences should there be for members of Congress who are AWOL in that way? Hmm, you know, I never... Other than, you know, not being re-elected. That didn't work this time. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know. That's an interesting point. I, Who's the boss? Yeah, I mean, the, well, you, know? you, the people, are the boss. But if there's no election going on, we have no way to exercise our supervision. Look, there was an election, and the people chose to reelect. But let's the man. say before the election, he's not showing up for work. How do we, the boss? I view it this way: if the people of the second congressional district elect a man who is obviously incapacitated and can't finish out his term, then um, since it's only a two-year term, at some point. They should get about the business of just gearing up for another election. This actually plays in well to what we were talking about earlier, the mentality of Chicago voters. Nobody was running against Jesse Jackson Jr. of stature. You know what I'm saying? It's just like reverse. He was the beneficiary of the same mentality that worked against him when he was thinking of running against Daly. In his case, here you had a guy who was clearly the target of a federal investigation who had disappeared. Except for sightings in bars in D.C. Okay, but nobody would run against him because he was unbeatable, because he's the giant, because we don't unseat powerful politicians whose names resound. I think the biggest problem with Chicago politics are the Chicago voters. I've said this repeatedly, and we get what we deserve, and we get a government that wastes our money on just inside deals. And in the case of the 2nd Congressional District, they haven't had a representative in 
God only knows how long. I suppose you could argue, well, what difference does it make anyway? We should just get rid of Congress then, for that matter. So, Dave, I, I know you're trying to, you're looking for a way for the people to protect themselves. So let's go back to my one of my favorite stories of last year, Derek Smith, who uh, was the state rep from a West Side district who was arrested for taking a bribe, allegedly taking a bribe, I should say. So here, the remedy was to have... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking it through. The remedy was to have the outraged, we are outraged, <laughs> state reps from the state of Illinois, the other members of the General Assembly, to oust him from his seat as the duly elected representative of, the, what is it, the 10th legislative district? Right. So the voters turn right around and re-elect him. Overwhelmingly. <laughs> like, overwhelmingly, black and white, so white people don't blame it on the black people. And, you know... At some point, you just have to say, well, Chicagoans like corruption. They they like seeing their dollars wasted. They want politicians who are tough and bullies and engage in shady deals and meet with blondes uh, <laughs> who are not their wives. You know, that's that's what they want. So they're getting what they want, like little tyrants to be their mayor. I mean, they like soap operas. They like soap operas. They don't like to deal with the day to day of government. It's really complicated and they must like it. They keep voting for it. So it's just like the term limit argument. People are always looking for a protection against themselves. Well, if we just limit their time in office, then we don't have to reelect them. Well, you don't have to reelect them <laughs> in the first place. You can vote for somebody else. A radical thought there, you know? I mean, there's always somebody running against them, pretty much. I mean, so you can come to the conclusion, well, the people running against them, I think, would be worse. That's an argument that you can make. Or just as bad. Or just as bad. And so that is an argument that people made in 2007 in the mayoral race. Dorothy Brown was running against Richard M. Daley. And a lot of people said, well, I think she would be worse, which is an interesting thought. I voted for Dorothy Brown for what it's worth. Not particularly proud of it, but I did. I don't want to go off on term limits, but I, I suspect that a lot of people who are interested in term limits are objecting to the lack of good candidates because the way the system funds candidates, you can't get the money unless you capitulate to the powers that end up creating a candidate that is not essentially different, an opposition candidate that's not essentially different from the incumbent. Well, listen, in the last go-around in 2011... We had a number of candidates to choose from, and the top two vote-getters, Rahm Emanuel and Jerry Chico, were, for better or for worse, extensions of the daily machine. They were as close to replicas of what we had for 23 years that was in that race, and together they pulled probably close to, I'm doing off the top of my head, three-quarters of the vote, if not 80%. So Chicagoans, you obviously like Mayor Daley regime. You voted for him. How many times, Dave? I can't remember. I lose track. He probably would have won re-election in 2011, even with the cockamamie parking meter deal, the Olympics, the scandals. Rom certainly wouldn't have run against him. I mean, that's the thing. Rom came out to run only after they cut the deal where he got ushered in and Daley wasn't going to run. So once Rom was running, he was running basically as a continuation of the sort of leadership that Mayor Daley represented. And the people voted for him. And let's not forget, we reelected Rod Blagojevich. <laughs> Sorry. Some of the criticism that I've read of your article is that some people look at your representation of Jackson almost as if he was a straw man. He might have been this alternative, progressive sort of guy, whereas critics say that he was really never that guy. He was always an insider. And if anything, he was putting on this show of progressivism 
For example, I heard one of his political coaches, this woman who is a political consultant, in a panel discussion I went to, she talked about how she helped create the third airport issue as something that could distinguish Triple J from other candidates when he was running for Congress originally. It's an interesting story in that she represented it as not something that he actually felt strongly about, but here, let's create this mm -hmm. so we can you know, have something that appeals to local voters because it represents jobs, economic infusion. And I thought, this is a case in point. Mm -hmm. The faith that you put in them, whether it's justified and whether it's based on any reality. So what do you say to these critics who say, you know, Jackson, there wasn't any there there. It's a very good point. Obviously, Jesse Jackson Jr. will not at any time be mistaken for oh, Harold Washington. But the fact of the matter is, it's another version of the justification that Chicagoans employ that we were talking about before. So don't elect them. Just keep electing Mayor Daley. I mean, you know, none of these people are perfect candidates. Dorothy Brown, by all means, was got not a perfect candidate. I would argue at some point Chicago has to take self seriously as a democracy if they want a democratic government, and that means voting for people other than the same old, same olds. So whatever flaws Jesse Jackson had before he melted down, melted down I would say were just your typical political flaws. Like maybe he didn't, he wasn't a man of principle. Is that what you're saying? Okay, well, we've just elected a guy who's really, the, you know, the epitome of a man of without principle. Um, you're talking about our mayor? Yeah, our current mayor. I mean, was he a man who created his own ideas as opposed to having strategists come up with them? Perhaps. Whoa. You know, wow. <laughs> I sense a little skepticism here. I'm trying to think of the first guy we've ever elected who came up with this. Mayor Daly came up with ideas. We didn't like any. He thought of the parking meter deal. And so I get similar arguments all the time when I advance any candidate. So, for instance, Miguel Dovay, he was the fellow who finished third in the race against Chico and uh, Rahm Emanuel, and he was the one whose political career was most different from them. And so as soon as I wrote the article that people should have voted for him, everybody wrote, wait, he know, you know he endorsed Daly in 2007. So, you know, they immediately criticized him. So what are you saying? I'm not saying the man walks on water. What are you saying? We should just keep electing Daly because this guy is not perfect. I work from the assumption that all these candidates, to one degree or another, are flawed, and you're trying to figure out what's in the best interest of Chicago. And the general assumption is that best interest of Chicago is served by these strong, powerful mayors who are unbeatable and have the authority to cut whatever deals they want, regardless of whether they're fought out and whether they're in anybody's interest. In this case, Rahm's case, we've elected essentially elected a Republican mayor who believes in subsidies for the well-to-do and cuts for the middle class and the poor. So I would say that a Jesse Jackson Jr., with all of his flaws, would be a better alternative to that. That's my view. That's all we have time for. Ben, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, sir. If you'd like to hear more of our interviews, you can search on the web or at Facebook or even at Twitter for Inside Chicago Government. And we welcome your questions and comments. You could send them to contact at shygov.com. I'm Dave Glowetz. Thanks for listening.